Greetings to each one again. It's good to be here this evening. God and I have this little agreement. He gives me the words to speak, and then I'll get up and boldly say them. And every once in a while, I say, why me, Lord? Why, do you, why this subject? Why not something different? I, just a little heads up of the, what I plan to speak on. Um, tomorrow, I have something a little more specifically towards youth. Uh, so if you want to invite your friends that are youth, I'll, I'll be speaking towards youth and to youth's parents. Now, not how to raise youth, because I have no idea, but maybe some things to look out for. Saturday, if the Lord tarries and stays on the same path that he's been leading so far, I want to give you some stuff to think about. So I know it's hard on you earlier, but uh, Saturday I'll allow that. And then we'll have to see how Sunday works out. So that's the next two nights. Who should wake up this evening? Have you been lied to by the devil? If the devil has lied to you and is currently lying to you, that's the people I'd like to speak to this evening. You need to wake up. Let's say our key verse, Ephesians verses, Ephesians 5, 14 through 16. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Is that what you did today? Did you redeem the time? Was God waiting for you at that spot where you were going to pray? And is he still waiting? Or did he meet you and you had a good time? Just a challenge. It's been a challenge to me. Now I ask myself that when I get towards the evening. Did I meet with God today? Was, or is he still waiting for me somewhere? Oh, and just a correction. I said I prayed as I walked through the barns yesterday. I don't think I prayed as I walked through the barns, but I prayed as I got on my way there, on my way home, and I was like, I want to be honest with you. I, when I was recounting what I did, pretty sure I was talking to Pad when I was walking through the barns. Um, not God. And so I wanted to correct that. The title of the message this evening is Lies the Devil Told Me. To establish a basis of the message tonight, we need to understand a few things. The first thing to establish is that at one point or other, we all have failed. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 is very plain. says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not some. It's, not, it's all of us. We've all failed and come short of the glory of God. Why does anyone sin? Why did you sin when you sinned? What, what was the basis behind it? There could be a host of different answers. Some sin is committed out of ignorance. Not that the person is not a smart person. But maybe the person does not possess the knowledge of what God expects of them. You know, I've always found it heartbreaking when a person uh, from a non-Mennonite background or even a non-Christian background, they grow up, they're smoking and drinking, and they're not even thinking when they're doing this, this probably doesn't please God. There might be an inkling that this isn't right, but they, they're not sure why they're feeling this. And sometimes people come in with a lot of habits, a lot of baggage, 
that we don't have to have because most of us were taught a whole lot better growing up than that. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, it says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So what does that mean? As children of God, we have a responsibility to tell others about Jesus. This verse could be taken several different ways. Some have not the knowledge of God because they choose not to possess that knowledge. Or it could be some have not the knowledge of God because no one has told them. And Paul said, I speak this to your shame. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. I often wondered why God allowed mere man to do his work. Why has he given us such an awesome responsibility to share with lost sinners the message of salvation? Why did he entrust it to broken vessels? Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him who have, they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have ye not heard? Yes, verily, the sound went out into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. God has placed in each of one of us a conscience to know right from wrong. It's amazing from little on up, there is this inkling in the back of our heads when we do something, somehow we know, well, that didn't seem quite right, or I shouldn't be doing this. There is something ingrained in our minds that says this isn't quite right. But the majority of us, we've been taught what's right and wrong. We've been taught, don't do this, and, and here's the path that you should tread. So how is it that even though we've had these great advantages, that we struggle with overcoming our carnal and fleshly desires? Why is it that we've been taught so plainly and yet we still struggle. If you've been given into your fleshly desires, you're being told a lie by the devil, and more than being told a lie, but you're believing it. Tonight I would like to share with you some ways the devil has lied to me personally, in hopes that when he tells you the same lie, that you can look back at what I told you and say, I'm not going to do that. The very first lie that Satan told in the Garden of Eden, I think, just I like to imagine some things sometimes, so I, I'm not sure what Satan was thinking, but it almost seemed like a lie that was, I'm going to go big or I'm going to go home. So let's just read that, Genesis 3.1, and like Satan always does, he mixed it with just a little bit of truth. He likes, he likes to lie to you, but then he adds something that's a little bit true. Genesis 3.1 Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And I was just reading this, and I know Balaam, the donkey, talked to Balaam. Was it a common occurrence for snakes to talk to people? Like, in the garden. 
what I would have found that a little suspicious, but maybe early on they didn't know how things were to go. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. If Satan would come up to you this evening... And he says, I have something for you, and I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to be able to decipher between good and evil. I'm just going to simply give you knowledge. In our society today, most people would say, no, thank you. They're not even after knowledge. So these, Adam and Eve were newly created. They were beings created directly by God. And so I think that it had to be something special that they were given. Why would they want... For us today, for the majority of even youth, it says, Satan comes up and he says, I have some fun for you. And they're like, that sounds good. And it's not even like, I'll give you vast knowledge. It's like, just a little bit of fun. Then he always says, did God really say that? Did he really mean what he said? God didn't say that. God's keeping you from something. I'll give you a good time. You know, maybe he offers you prosperity. To the young person, he says, and not in those words, but he says, God is keeping you from having fun, and come over here, and I'll show you what I have to offer. It's going to be fun. God's placed limits and restrictions on you because he doesn't want you to partake in all the things I have to offer. What is Satan now saying? He's saying, well, your church is restricting you. I have a church right over here that none of this stuff is wrong. Hmm. So you can go right over to this church and be a great Christian and not do any of the stuff we're doing? Well, why won't I go over there? Is it biblical church? Is it doing biblical things? Or can I just go? Because there's a church somewhere that will okay anything you want to do. There's a church, universal universalism, or whatever, and you can believe whatever you want in that church. So, if you start sinning, and you don't want to confess your sin, if you just go to the right church, you can keep on sinning and feel good about yourself. Remember that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. He has no qualms about lying. You ask him, well, will we have fun? Yes, for sure. Will there be consequences? Absolutely not. Will the feelings last? It only gets better. You know, he, any, anything that he'll say, whatever it takes to make you take that first bite. Because he says whatever our flesh wants to hear. So we're already bent towards sin, and just a little nudge sometimes gets us to fall headlong into sin. Eve, she knew that she wasn't even supposed to touch that fruit. And so when she took it in her hand, she was already on the road to doing what God told her not to. She had done what God told her not to, even before taking that bite. She had already gone. You know, when God tells us not to touch something, it's for our own good. It's for our own benefit. When we say, well, just a touch won't hurt. I'm not biting it. 
I'm not consuming it. But when God says something, he says it for a reason. There's a reason behind why he said, don't touch that fruit, because he knew that it looked good. It looked normal. It looked pleasant to the eyes, a fruit to be desired. One of the first lies I was told and believed is, it will be fun. And I think a lot of youth believe that. And once again, there was elements of truth. Do you think a lot of people would sin if it was no fun involved? Do you think if it was just all pain and misery, people would constantly be tempted to sin? No, there's, there's a little bit of fun in sin. There's a little bit of fun in the forbidden. So I decided to find out. That was my first mistake. We had a school in the community, and they provided their own janitor. And he was a nice old man, and he had a habit of every once in a while going outside and smoking a little bit. And every now and again, he would forget where he'd lay his pack of cigarettes. And I think he assumed, since we were all nice little Mennonite kids, that we wouldn't take them. Um, but my buddy and I had a different idea. And one time, a pack of his cigarettes went missing. We thought it was going to be so fun, so cool. It looked so neat to puff some smoke out of your mouth, you know. And as soon as we had that in our possession, our freedom kind of left. It's like, well, now how are we going to explain this? You know, what if we get caught? What if someone finds us in our backpack? And so I passed it off on him because he was a little more daring. And he, he said, well, he'll take it home. And once we get an opportunity to get back together, we'll try one out. So I think a couple days went by. I went over to his house, and he got him out. We snuck out into the hay field. The hay was pretty tall. We sat down. We were going to have a little smoke and lit it up, and my, how it smoked. We had no idea how much a smoke actually smokes. And it covered us in smoke, and we smelled terrible. And he took a little whatever it is on it, started hacking and coughing, and I did the same. My throat burned, my mouth burned. I was like, this isn't any fun at all. And he's like, man, you stink. And, and our parents were inside, and we're like, what do we do now? And so often we don't think of the logistics of sin. It just looked fun. It looked like something that we could do and probably get away with. And suddenly we smelled like smoke. We looked guilty. We didn't feel good. And so my buddy uh, snuck into the house, avoiding the people, and come back out, I think, with a whole jug of milk. And that was our first plan. And we consumed a large amount of milk and just stayed out and outside for the rest of the evening because we didn't know what else to do because we didn't smell very good. And that's where maybe the second lie came in. As long as nobody knows about it, as long as we don't tell anyone, we won't get in trouble. You know we have a all have a natural Adamic nature. I got reprimanded one time for calling my children little heathens, and maybe that was a little strong. But I didn't have to teach them how to be mean. I didn't have to teach them how to tell a lie. I didn't have to teach them how to not share their toys. You know, no one taught them how to be selfish. It came quite naturally. And maybe it came because of Daddy. My children were born with the old man. 
found that interesting. My children were born with a little bit of the old man in them. We hadn't even had any fun, and here we were with all this regret, all this shame. We're, what, what were we going to do? But no one knew about it, so we, we, this was just my, my secret, his secret. We weren't going to tell anyone. And then we thought, well, if we could get other people involved, other people guilty, we wouldn't feel so bad. Isn't that how it works? If you have more, if more of your friends are doing it, then it's not so bad. Proverbs 1.10 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for the blood, let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause, let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole, as those that go down into the pit, we shall find all our precious substance, and we shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us, let us have one purse. Many a young person has been sucked into participation in sin, because they thought they were being allowed to participate because they were liked or cool. That's probably not why they were allowed to participate. Probably meant let the others feel a little better about themselves. Don't believe these lies. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. The majority of sinners don't rest till they have got someone else to stumble, someone else to fall. Because this takes a little bit of the guilt away. Proverbs 4.13 Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of the evil man. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it. Pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. You know, when they're marketing their products, I don't even know if cigarette companies are allowed to do it anymore. They always used to paint brave cowboys or tough mechanics or biker dudes or beautiful women or something to market their product. And they never showed the guy wheezing and hacking on his hospital bed. They never showed the woman with yellow fingers and teeth and, and smoky clothes. They never showed the end result. Satan never shows you what the end looks like. He only shows you the glamour. He only shows you the part that looks exciting. There's a part of a verse in the Bible that says, Be sure thy sins will find you out. Do you think when I did that, that evening, that I thought I would be up here telling you all about it? <laughs> no, I didn't think through that. I don't know that my parents ever found out about that. Now they can call into Bethany and find out. But there was one that knew. God knew about it. He knew what was going on. He knew what we had done. And we had that guilt in our life because of that. We knew we had done wrong. And there's coming a day that we'll give account of the things done in our body, whether they were good or whether they were evil. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. And then 1 Timothy 5.24, Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. If you were sneaky enough 
If you had hidden your sin good enough, you always covered your tracks. You had, your sin was just your own. Know that one day these will be brought into judgment. And it's a whole lot better if they're judged beforehand than when you stand before the Almighty God. Well, as the sins added up over time, the promise of a good time uh, quickly diminished. And the sins became more and more extreme. To have a good time, I had to go to larger extremes. And then I got to the point where I was keenly aware that if I had died, I would be lost. And that was a scary place in my life. And after a while, I, you know, I was able to drown it out, um, listening to music, doing a lot of activities. There's other stuff that you could, you could drown out the conscience. You could drown out this feeling of dread that, what if I died? And sometimes you just try not think about it. At first, it didn't bother me so bad because I was pretty sure that I was young enough that death was out there a ways. I thought, well, death comes for old people, right? Death doesn't prey on us young ones. And yet, after several of my young buddies passed away suddenly, one in a motocross accident, the other drove through a stoplight and got killed instantly, another one in a snowmobile accident, and I'm like, wow, young people can die too. And it's no fun going to a young person's funeral. And then coming home from bailing one night, I almost got hit by a semi. I had fallen asleep and I went across a major intersection. And I woke up to the air horn of a semi truck right behind me. And had I slowed up at all, he would have got me. But I didn't even slow up. I just shot right across the road. That kind of woke me up a little bit. And so I thought, well, my life is not certain. And so I thought, I better do things. <laughs> my mind wasn't working clearly. So instead of making things right, I thought, well, I better lessen my chances of death. So if the tractor bucket was up, I wouldn't go under the tractor bucket. If I had to work on the baler, I would triple check that the thing was locked. Because what if God wanted to squish me one night? You know, I better have that thing locked. And I wasn't thinking clearly at all. I had these little things in my mind that I would do that I thought were preserving my life, and they weren't at all. I was afraid to die, and the devil once again changed his tactics. Did the devil make me do any of this? No. I was drawn away of my own lust and enticed. And when lust had conceived, it brought forth sin. And if sin had finished, it would have brought forth death. The devil's music led to the devil's music, movies, which were filled with violence and nudity and led to other things. It just led down, down, down. It always leads you farther than you want to go. It always takes you a lot deeper than you ever intended it to take you. I was told, well, there's a lot of good wholesome movies out there. There's a lot of good things that Christians can watch. I watched a lot of movies, and I will tell you that they were not designed for a Christian with a pure heart. Not even Christian movies. They weren't designed. They were designed to feed our senses. That's why they were designed. People wouldn't watch them if they didn't do that. The love is fake. The heroes are fake. It's all one facade, and the devil's just trying to get us to do it. 
and our flesh can hardly wait for just a little more. Then the devil made me think that I was the only one experiencing these things. You're the only one that's doing this. And then at the same time, he said, well, probably everyone's doing it. You know, he, he, he never tells you anything logically. He said, well, everyone's doing it, or nobody's, no one's doing quite what you're doing. Like, you're, you're strange. You're into a lot more things than other people. But there's probably other people sinning, so you're probably not as bad as you think you are. And he's, he's, he's constantly throwing out lies. So he would lead me to believe that the buddies that I had that were going out to the bars, now they were the real sinners. I wasn't going to the bars. No, I stayed far away from the bars. But was I any better than them? No. I was sinning just real secretly. They were sinning a little openly. I think they were better off than I was because they weren't being hypocrites about it. I would, there come a time I put on a plain suit and I was still sinning. <laughs> and, and they were just openly sinning. And, and they knew what I was doing. And this made them look at Christianity as some kind of big joke. Because they're like, you're doing it, and then you're going to church, and everybody pats you on the back. And then everybody looks at us like a bunch of heathens just because they see what we're doing. They don't see what you're doing. I had to always be watching out for my back because I didn't want to get caught. I had to change the radio stations when I got back out of the tractor so Dad wouldn't know what I was listening to. Turn it back on to talk radio. I had to uh, trash my receipts when I got home from town. I had to delete my browsing history so that my parents wouldn't see it. So imagine the surprise when our computer crashed and they got a man in to fix the computer and he found the corrupted files and there was everything I'd ever looked at. I was pretty shocked. And he didn't tell my mom, but I bet it hurt our witness. I bet it damaged our witness to that Mormon man. And I wish I could go back and apologize. I don't know who it was. My parents didn't know what I was into. I'd kept it all nicely hidden. Romans 6.19 I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of the flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye in the things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. There is no doubt I am ashamed of the things I have done in my past. Being made free of righteousness is not something that we're after, right? We would hate to be free of righteousness. I was on the path to spiritual death and eternal damnation. And then the dreaded time of revivals rolled around. I did not like revivals. <laughs> no wonder, eh? I didn't like them at all. I would sit there and keep my head bowed. You know, I, I, I would get so nervous when the, the song was led at the end. I would just sit there and shake and I could barely sing. And after a while, I couldn't put up with it anymore. And Satan said you stand up, your buddies are going to think you're weak. They're going to make fun of you. There's going to be consequences for all these things that you did. There's going to be, it's not going to be fun. You're going to, people are going to look down on you. Do you look down on people when they respond to Christ? Absolutely not. <laughs> but that's not what Satan tells us. And so I couldn't handle it any longer. 
And it was like in Romans 7, 23, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which in, is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I was dead in trespasses and sins. And I said, O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? I said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go to the front. And I'm going to get this right. I want freedom. I don't want to be afraid to walk under my tractor bucket anymore. So very last verse of the song of Just As I Am, I, I walked to the front. And you know what? My three buddies got up with me and came up. They were feeling the exact same thing. I had no idea. And that night, we all gave our hearts to Jesus. We confessed our sins. And I was a free man. <laughs> Some people don't feel it immediately, but I felt it immediately. I felt so good. I wanted to tell others about it. Oh, it felt wonderful. That song, Burdens Are Lifted at Calvary, was a reality. I was free. The fear of death without God was gone. I still wanted to live, but I was going to enjoy life now. I wish that's how the story had ended. <laughs> And I could tell you that from the age of 14 on, I lived a victorious Christian life, but that was not the case. Unfortunately, I was still learning the dynamics of sin. The fact that after a while, if you're not sold out for Christ, if you let your guards down, that the things of sin you remember are the fun times. You soon forget the guilt and the shame. You, for, you soon forget the bondage. You soon forget what it feels like not to be free anymore. Turn with me to 2 Peter, chapter 2. Starting at verse 19. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it hath been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to a true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed in her wallowing in the mire." Maybe you're here this evening and you return to your old ways. You started to feed on the flesh. Not like you once fed on it. Just a nibble here and a nibble there. You don't want to go all the way back, do you? Nah. Just a little taste. Satan tells you, just a little bit won't hurt. Just one time. Just that one song. Well, you've listened to that one song. Why don't you just listen to the music for the day? And then you could confess to God tonight. Just a little sip. Just a harmless glance. Why are we willing to pay so high a price for such a small indulgence? If it's only a glance, why look at all? If it's only a sip, why take the first sip? Stay away from alcohol. If you've never puffed on a cigarette, don't do it. There's no freedom in it. I know people that are trying to get out of it because they hate it. 
And every time they try, they get headaches, they get chills, they feel miserable, they're irritable. What a lovely life. I, I sat in line at 7-Eleven today, and one person after another bought their little pack of cigarettes that they were in bondage to. Why go there? Like a true proverb, I return like a dog to its own vomit. I went back, not to smoking. I never, I don't know that I ever touched another cigarette again. I, I, that was fixed at a pretty early age. But I experimented with other things. And as soon as you take that little step, the devil immediately starts planting thoughts to captivate you. He wraps that string around you and he says, well, <laughs> you better not tell anyone about that. You know, it's not going to look good. You've broke your commitment. You're no good anymore. You're worthless. And, and he starts, he said, well, I was going to give you freedom. And as soon as he gave you that freedom, he wants to yank it away from you because it's not freedom after all. The next lie the devil told me, if, and, well, I guess it was part of that one. If you've done it once, why not ten times? That's not quite how he worded it. But if you've done it once, you've already sinned. Okay, So you already have to confess that. Why not sin a handful more times? Because then you could just, you could really enjoy it. More than that one sip, why not drink the whole bottle? And then at least it'd be worth confessing. One sin is a whole lot better than multiple sins. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, you slipped up one time, you might as well keep on slipping up. That's not how it works. If you've slipped up one time, call a brother or sister, confess that to him, confess it to God, and get rid of it so it doesn't become a stronghold. When it comes more than one time, it will become a stronghold. Because you don't want to confess to ten sins. And Satan knows that. And so he'll, make you, he'll try to make you do it as many times, whatever it is. I don't know what it is in your life. But he'll try to make you do it as many times as he can so that he wraps you up good. So it's not a little string anymore, so it's a chain. And that's what he tries to do to each one of us. And then he says, well, just make it right before you and God tonight. No one needs to know about it. And so that's what I would do. Do you think I sinned without praying a prayer of confession? No, I'd confess on maybe a nightly basis. I don't know. Whenever I sinned, I'd say, dear God, you know, I know that was wrong. Please forgive me. And then I'd get back into it a couple days later. He says, people will feel less of you. How does God feel about you? Why are we so concerned about people? Why are we so concerned about how man feels about our sin? You ever think about that? We're so concerned. We're so afraid what man's going to do to us. Don't we have it a little backward? What's God going to do to us? Wouldn't it help if we had a whole lot more fear of God and a whole lot less fear of man? It would help us a whole lot. But we have a plenty of fear of man. Don't get me wrong. We all have to crucify flesh on a daily basis. But the more you indulge in flesh, the harder it is. There's, there's definitely more struggles. I struggle with more things because of what I was into than people that were never into it. 
if you haven't been into pornography, if you haven't been into drinking, if you haven't been into smoking, don't do it. It causes scars. It causes bondage. It causes temptations that you won't have to deal with normally. Stay away from it. I don't know why I didn't listen. <laughs> and I don't know why I expect you to listen, but I hope you do. Because it will bring bondage, and it's not fun. And it could cost you your eternity in hell. There came a point in my life, I wasn't sure whether or not I was past hope. You've read those verses. If you sin willfully after receiving the knowledge, there remaineth no more hope. And I thought, maybe I had gotten to that point. Maybe there was no more hope for me. I was a married man at that point. And I thought, what if I didn't have any more hope? What if I had overstepped my bounds? What if I had gone too far? What if I was past feeling? And at the at that point, I was on the rescue squad. I was working at the store, and it's probably nine years ago. I was working there, and I got a call uh, on the rescue radio for a gunshot uh, wound next door. And one of my friends back in Highland County had tried shooting himself a couple years prior and had not succeeded in doing it so well and survived. And we airlifted him out. Of, well, he got airlifted out. And he, he said it was because of the medication he was on. It was telling him to kill himself. And so I thought, well, maybe that's what happened to the next-door neighbor. And so I rushed over there with a bunch of washcloths and whatever I could find in the kitchen. I rushed in the front door, and I could smell the gunpowder. And I went to the back room, and he was laying there face down in his own blood. He had taken his own life. And we had warned him. He said, if my wife dies, I'm going to kill myself. His wife had died that morning at AMC. And he came home and put a bullet through his head. And that's how I found him. And you think it would have grieved my heart, don't you? But I was angry. I was angry at that man. I said, he knew better. He knew where he was going to spend eternity. We had tried so hard. And then I said, who am I fooling? Here I am living in sin. And if I died, I'd be in the exact same place as him. And why wasn't I feeling sorrow for this man's soul? Why wasn't I hurting inside? What is wrong with me? And I thought, maybe I'm without hope. I need to do something about this. I need to get my life right. But what if I can't? And it was a true feeling. It was a, I just felt completely empty. It was undescri- I just no emotion. I was just empty. They come over and they said, Dave, do you need counseling, you know, from what you've seen? And I I said, no, I'm fine. And I just felt emptiness. And I prayed and I said, I need to do something about this. So Sunday morning rolled around and we're sitting in um, men's Sunday school class. And I said, I have to do something about this. And so I just told the men everything I was into. I I said, I'm not going to make it pretty. I just told them everything I was into. And... I bawled my eyes out that Sunday, and it felt so good. I had a sorrow for sin. I could feel that I was cleansed. I could feel that I was accepted back in. And I said, I never want to 
I never want to feel that emptiness again. I never want to go back. And I caused a lot of people a lot of pain. A lot of people a lot of pain. That's what sin does. It doesn't just affect our it doesn't just affect ourselves. It affects everyone around us too. Caused a lot of people a lot of pain. Do we hate sin? Do we hate what it does? Or do we just not like the feeling to what it does to people around us? I wanted to hate for sin. Ephesians 4, 27. It's a short verse. It says, Neither give place to the devil. When you leave avenues in your life open that are easily accessible, you're going to fall back into sin. And I knew from that point on, I learned my lesson. I had left avenues open in the past. And I couldn't leave any avenue open now. I don't want any part of my old life. I wanted to clear up all my avenues. And so I got with people and I said, here's where I was sinning. Here's how I was sinning. Here's what I was getting, what I was getting. Keep me accountable. Keep, you know, here. I gave them specific things to ask me about because I didn't want to go back. I didn't want a part of that emptiness inside, that feeling of desperation of what if. Has life been without temptations? I can assure you it has not. But as they come, and as I see weaknesses in my defense, by the grace of God I try to be careful to tell someone about them and say, here's what's going on. And it's not quite daily, but every, every day I think about it, I pray for a deep hatred for sin. And I'm... I'm slowly getting it. It didn't come overnight, but I am getting a hatred for sin. Praise the Lord. God has been faithful. I had to cut out such stuff as harmless use of YouTube videos. Is there such a thing? Harmless use. You know, just, just things that were documentaries. Uh, tractor videos. AFV. People hurting themselves. <laughs> You know, bouncing on the trampoline, falling off under the springs. You know, stuff like that. People, stuff we find funny. But Satan knows our weaknesses somehow. And so on the side tab, what do you think he puts there? Our weaknesses. And then think, my wife and I were watching something and something terrible popped up. And I didn't tell her about it for a while. And I said, you know what, that, that brought a lot of my old life back up. I said, we can't do this anymore. We need to get rid of it. So we quit watching that stuff. Social media to keep up with our friends. I haven't been on Facebook in a while, but I hear it's not getting any better. I hear the ads that are popping up in there are getting worse and worse. The videos on the video tab is getting worse and worse. And then I hear what all our youth are into. Now, I guess that's for tomorrow night. If we live so close to the world that one has a hard time deciphering whose kingdom we are a part of, we'll end up in the world's kingdom. I wonder sometimes if finding a Christian today is trying to find Waldo. Like, where's Waldo? We blend in with the world so good. We're so close to him, so surrounded by him, that we almost look like him. Is that going to work out in the end? 
Romans 13, 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. One thing I forgot to mention, when I was into things and our oldest child was born, I had opened up the door to demonic forces because of the things I was into. If you're into sin, as a father, you're opening your home to demonic forces. You're opening your children up to have pressures that they should never have to face. Don't do it. And if, you've, if you're in that place this evening, make it right. Do what it takes to get those things behind you. You have a huge <laughs> congregation of support. People that love you. People that care about you. People that will cheer you on. People that will encourage you. That's not what Satan tells you, but that's what we're here for. And that's what we want to do. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. That was the thing that finally clicked for me. Make no provision for the flesh. All this time, I'd make provisions. I had been leaving little doors open. I had been leaving opportunities available. Don't make any provision for the flesh because it will take advantage of you and it will take you a lot further than you want to go. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for giving us this word that if we're faithful to you, that if we come to you early in our life and we serve you faithfully, there's a lot of scars that we can avoid, a lot of hurts, a lot of temptations that we don't have to go into, dear God. And you've put it all there, and I just pray that you give us wisdom, give us strength to stand in this evil days. I know they're getting worse and worse by the day, and I feel sorry for our youth coming on. I just pray that you give us courage and strength to stand through these times. If there's someone here that's bound by sin, that's had opened the door, that's let Satan into the home, that's been living and obeying and believing the lies that Satan is telling, I pray that they could have the courage to come forward this evening. Pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.